It's blue. The stories never said it was blue. The Khaled chieftain stood on a rise, overlooking the smoldering, ruined devastation of the area soon to be known as the Feldales. But he wasn't looking down. He was looking up. There. Above him. Miles above him. There was a hole in the sky. Ragged, roughly circular gouge was torn into the ever-present roiling cloud cover. And the hole was blue. He'd heard stories about the sky before the darkness came. About when the sun was more than just a pale disk, barely visible through the clouds. About the moon, some sort of strange double of the sun that only appeared at night and changed shape with the seasons. And about the stars, the twinkling lights that filled the night sky. But the stories never said it was such an incredible blue. He'd seen the opening before, just after the great earthquake that drew him here to begin with. He saw the stars raining down in mass, but he hadn't seen it during the day. When the reports started coming in from the various other tribes and even from some of his own scouts about what those stars really were, he felt he had to see it for himself. He'd been feeling a strange emptiness lately. He felt the earthquake, the raining stars, all of it, was some kind of sign. So he came. Alone. The rest of the tribe didn't like it. This was orc territory. And the green-skinned monsters from the deep had already killed more than their fair share of his people. But he had to see one with his own eyes. And there, below him in a massive crater, was a skyship. He hadn't believed the reports that the stars falling from the sky were in truth great boats made entirely of metal and propelled by flame but that thing below him could be nothing else it was easily 300 feet long maybe 50 feet wide it had broken cleanly in half on impact and thick acrid black smoke was bellowing out from the cracked center what looked like bodies Huge bodies covered in some kind of strange armor, the same gray-green as the hull of the ship, lay strewn about the wreckage. As he stared down, the Kellid suddenly heard a sound behind him. He spun around, but he wasn't fast enough. You idiot. You let yourself get distracted. The orc, a towering behemoth nearly seven feet tall, let out a bellow and swung at him with a massive warhammer. Kellid got his sword up in time to block the blow, but the force of the impact lifted him clear off his feet and threw him over the edge of the cliff. The Kellid chieftain screamed as he tumbled backwards into space in what he was sure was his certain death. This is Pod Against the Machine. Pod Against the Machine. To Pot Against the Machine, the only Pathfinder actual play podcast that will drink your milkshake. We'll drink it up. I'm your host, and here's everybody. How is your Hello. Daniel Day Lewis going? 
Okay. <laughs> cool. Hang on. Sorry, that was the door. Uh, I thought it was a car honking. <laughs> nice. Or like this a clown. That was a person one. saying, hey. Sad horn. Man. I just had to jump in and say, if it is dairy-free and soy-free, I will absolutely imbibe the milkshake. <laughs> Wow, yeah, well, that was one of our movie correctly. It was filled with oil <laughs> and blood. I believe there was gonna, also yeah. blood. Um, I'm gonna go to Burgerville and get a uh, coconut bliss milkshake, the Portland cold brew. I'll be back in like an hour. That's <laughs> so your fault, Sam. Hey, blame whoever made the joke last time. Uh, when last we left our heroes, uh, they had fought for their lives in the clockwork chapel in the middle of the night as they were attacked by a dark stalker and a couple dark creepers. Uh, it went pretty poorly for a while as it was very, very dark. But um, after a while, you know, they managed to rally. Dinvaya came out with the key heels and uh, the party was triumphant. And then um, you know, they went back to bed, as you do after you're almost assassinated. And in the morning, they set off for parts unknown. Namely, the last part of Scrapwall that they haven't been to, the Haunted Canyon. As they approached the Haunted Canyon, uh, thick fog settled in as the uh, looming walls of garbage kind of get closer and closer. And everything gets mighty creepy. And um, that's where we are now. Uh, something has suddenly burst forth uh, in front of you. It's um, a ghostly skeletal figure hanging just off the ground amidst a whirling cyclone of tools, uh, bits of scrap. And um, the odd thing about this skeletal figure is it's wearing, I mean, it looks like, like a sort of androphin suit of of armor or some kind of weird very bulky clothing but that's all torn to pieces and um hanging about one of its limbs is like hanging off and it just looks you know like it's been dead for a long long time and it's just kind of hanging there in front of you and while it's hanging there there's all these whispers coming through the air speaking in androphin as they're whispering in the wind, you can pick up phrases here and there. Uh, it sounds like things like, turn back, run from here. Asher will just kind of look at the spectral person and say, Paladin, and see if he gets mad like, Algernard did, because that's all his most recent ghost experiences. Um, yeah, this one doesn't freak out at you. Um, it doesn't attack when you say paladin. It's just kind of hanging there, and after about six seconds, it does fade from view, but the stuff is still flying around there. But the oh. thing itself is missing. Can we roll anything about it? Uh, I just wanted to, I, I meant to jump in before it evaporated and we weren't able to. Um, can we roll like a knowledge religion or anything on that? Yeah, you can roll a knowledge religion. That is the perfect thing to roll. Excellent. Okay, dirty 20 for Asher. Well, uh, 20 is plenty to identify this thing as a poltergeist. 
it's a fairly common undead creature. Um, they're generally angry spirits that form from the souls of creatures that, uh, for whatever reason, were um, bound to a site in death, um, maybe due to an unfinished task or because of a powerful necromantic effect in the area, a desecrated gravesite, that sort of thing. Um, you know, the a poltergeist experiences great trauma over its condition, and uh, trauma twists psyche to evil and fosters an overall hatred of the living that's usually expressed in outbursts of rage. Poltergeist is bound to a specific place, either a building, a room, recognizable area, um, typically corresponding to the resting place of its mortal remains or its place of death. Um, with a 20, you can get a couple questions, but I think, uh, do we have any other rolls? Another 20 here. And a 26. Ooh. <laughs> well, between the three of you, I think you can get pretty much everything. So what are you interested in? Probably special abilities would be the first thing, right? Anything they can do that a normal ghost can't. Yeah, I would say abilities, then attacks, then defenses, probably. Mm-hmm. Um... Well, their main special abilities um, are a frightening appearance when they're naturally invisible, but they can voluntarily drop their invisibility temporarily, which um, forces any creature who sees them to make a will save. So you're all actually do a will save. I'm just writing that down. Um, and um, they do rejuvenate. Um, after they're destroyed, unless um, you can determine the reason for their existence and um, find a way to, you know, put them at peace. And um, they usually can't travel far. Their normal limit is like 120 feet, but it can vary. Um, They have no natural means of attacking, but they do have telekinesis. They can throw objects um, weighing up to 75 pounds. Do we know how long the rejuvenation normally takes? Is this like they're back in five minutes or they're back in a month? It's usually a matter of days. But um, one thing of note is normally these are angry spirits. They lash out with violence immediately upon seeing the living, but these ones haven't. They've just sort of filled the air around you with these whispers, these whispered warnings, and they sort of appeared to you, scared all of you, so I will need will saves. Um, oh, wait, it, this is... It's not a spell or spell or healing, so. No, it's not. But it is a fear-based or emotion something-something? It is fear-based. Woo-woo. Uh, what did uh, Brixby get? I uh, rolled a 19 for a 24. Brixby's fine. He ain't afraid of no ghost. Uh, how about Jeff? Hadn't rolled this Holy Nexus dice from Cozy Gamer in a long time, and it rewarded me with a natural 20 uh, for a total of a 29. Unfortunately, that's too high. You're double scared. So willful. Hate to see it. That bell curve gets me every time. And Kira? Uh, 22. 15 on the die, 5 will, plus a plus 2 for Sky Metal Smith feat that I've used all of two times. Well, you're once again not frightened, and how about Vargas? 
Jero's having mic issues. Um, but he did type in the chat that he got a 17 on die, so he's not afraid either. It's it's bizarre that the description of the poltergeist itself is that it is twisted by hate and anger and possibly bound to the spot of its murder or something significant for it. But in this case, um, at least for the folks that are fluent in Indrafen, they appear to be whispering words of warning. So... Let it be. <laughs> Brixby will quietly to the back of the party. Uh, they seem to be um, speaking to us in the uh, the tongue of the stars. Asher, do you want the uh, linguistic practice, perhaps? Well, certainly. I'll admit that my previous attempts to have discourse with ghosts was unsuccessful, to say the least, but that was uncommon. Perhaps Andrafen will be another story. Having heard some of the whispers, uh, Asher will think for a minute and envision the letters on the note pages that Brixby had scrawled and kind of clear his throat and say, Hello, spirit. I am called Asher Halich, and I mean you no harm. You speak of something, some it, that betrayed you, that controls things that cannot be escaped, but... Please, we perhaps can help you. What is it? And I'll roll a diplomacy into the void. Go for it. You know, you never ride the hot hand. If a dice rolled nat 20, you don't roll it again. Because uh, if you do, it rolls a 4, uh, which becomes, I mean, a, f- a 15, but still just par for the course. Um, and this thing, which is no longer visible, but like the floating tools in the air where it was are sort of moving to and fro and it, it uh, whispers back in perfect Androphin Save yourselves! Save ourselves from what? Please, tell us. It controls everything. It's gone mad. Flee. Flee for your souls. Is this a being? Is it technology? And I think that you, um, with the the various successful knowledge religion checks, know that these uh, things are, I mean, they're twisted echoes of spirits, and they don't have a ton of intelligence to them, um, but they seem to just have this sort of visceral urge to, to run away from some perceived threat, even if they can't articulate exactly what that threat is any any longer does it seem odd to us with the knowledge checks we made on poltergeist that it would be like this like that it's like giving warnings and that it like hasn't gone hostile yet like that doesn't seem to mesh very much with what you told us after the roll like i was expecting this thing to start flinging tools at us about 20 minutes ago not to be giving us these vague warnings and hints. Yeah, absolutely. These things are not uh, behaving like you would expect a poltergeist to behave. Um, I think Vargas will even say something is wrong here. There's quite a few ghosts in Numeria. These... This creature appears to be a poltergeist, but... I've never seen one act like this. It's non-hostile. It's 
I've never seen one do this. It's unnerving. And at this point, I, more of them are coming into view and fading back out of view, and more bits of scrap are floating up off the ground as these whispers still continue all around you, but it, it almost seems like they're like forming a barrier, like they don't want you to go any farther. Do you think they're in trouble? Can poltergeist be in trouble? I think they think we're in trouble, big stuff. But still unclear why. Uh, and in Drafin, he'll clear his throat <clears throat> and go, Spirits, we appreciate your counsel, but we must pass. Please, let us go in peace, and we will endeavor to help you find your rest. Nowhere to run. Nowhere to hide. But uh, they don't seem to be aggressive. They don't seem to be doing anything to hinder you. Seems like you can just walk right on by. Yeah, I feel like we're having a conversation with like a Ouija board at this point. <laughs> like a, I'm so. screaming at the movie, like at the uh, at the screen. What are you doing? The ghosts don't are saying, go "Don't go that way." Why are you going that way? Yeah, go somewhere like safe, like a god's underground bunker, and fight him. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna take a shower. <laughs> Yes, me and my rat girlfriend are going to go make out over here. It'll be totally cool. Um, but yeah, well, it doesn't seem like they're going to stop us, but uh, we should stay on our guard, but maybe not do anything aggressive yet. Agreed. I'm just going to take this moment to put on mage armor, because that would be useful. Um, and that makes them kill you. They, they all just kill you. <laughs> that was what they were warning you against. I said, don't no. put on that mage armor. Oh, the mage armor just put on you. Oh, wow, there's six of them now, huh? They just keep piling up. They don't, like, you can't see them persistently. Like, they'll pop up and then they disappear after a few seconds, but they're all just, like, floating there watching you and they're all wearing, like, these, um,. High tech suits of armor in various states of disrepair. Some of them look more like people that are, are rotting or are mutilated or burned than they look like skeletons, but you know, they're all incorporeal the floating beings. Armor that you keep mentioning, does it look like that uh, suit with all the pockets? Does any of it look like that outfit that we found uh, under the torch? Uh, What's that one called? The, the uh, panic suit? Uh, not the panic suit, but the no. other one. The, the uh, station wear? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Um, it's definitely bulkier. Hmm. And it has, it's bulkier than that? Yeah, it has like a domed glass like helmet portion to it. Okay, yeah. So they might be wearing it like under this. We wouldn't know that though, because none of us would know about like multi-layered space suits. But yeah, this is really creepy. <laughs> I'm... And I feel like Vargas also would not be super comfortable moving forward into a place that the ghosts are telling him not to go to, but he's just going to follow along with the rest of the group. Yeah, Asher will slowly but bravely just continue to walk forward past, perhaps, the poltergeists. 
and they they make no move to stop you but the the whispers just keep following you as you progress uh, further to the north east through the canyon and the walls of junk kind of are slowly closing in on you as it, it gets narrower and narrower up in this corner and the mist just gets thicker and thicker and the temperature is dropping steadily there's an unnatural cold in the air this this is all junk everything that's black in front of us or do we see a door I mean, you see as you're approaching it this is definitely like it's um in terrible shape there's jagged metal and um scraps sticking out of it but this looks this looks like a ship like a remarkably intact ship in front of you just sitting on top of the junk here and um if I... does it look like the uh hologram we saw under a torch like it does appear to be the same kind of ship uh the the make might be similar but i mean this is in much worse shape than that picture ever was and it's a lot smaller yeah and there's it's a... smaller yeah Okay, so it's not the same kind of ship like that's under Torch. Just looks like the same builder type thing, though. Same style. Yeah. Just smaller. And it looks like there is an opening over here where I'm hanging off to your, um, your right a little bit. At first I was going to be like, are we really connoisseurs of, like, you know, crash starship builds? And I'm like, wait, you're a Kellen. You are. That is what, like, yeah. Kellen Realty is. You're like, I've got this sweet little three-room Androffin crash site for you and your family. Yeah, I think Vargas will actually look at this and go, it's it's another skyship, isn't it? How can something like this be here? We've They've said that the League has already combed this place over, that there is nothing left. Well... Uh, and he looks back at the ghost and then looks at the ship and like visibly sh- like shudders a bit um, and then sets himself, looks up at Fargus and says I mean I don't know if the technically thinks there's much of value in this picked over garbage heap uh, everything that I've heard about this place, that we've heard about this place is that it's it's been um, gleaned, you know uh, picked over once, twice, three times more. So, I suppose when we look inside, we'll see how much uh, technological wonder actually awaits us here. Before we do, I wonder, we'll kind of look at the outside of the ship. I know it's sort of difficult to tell much, as you said, it's covered in scrap, but I just want to do like a knowledge engineering. He's He's wondering too, are we? I mean, this could be not a real ship. It could be some sort of ghostly apparition of a ship that's not even here anymore. And like, I want, he wonders if he if he places his hand on the outside of it, if he even feels something solid coming in hot with a fourteen knowledge engineering. I think that in your limited experience with these things, um, it looks like it's really there. Um, it, it seems solid enough. It seems like. It's, you know, blocking the wind. It seems like the fog is behaving like you'd expect, like sort of seeping in through the opening, but like stopping at the solid borders. It looks like it's really here. We have seen strange things under torch, invisible doors, 
technology that works like magic. Be on your guard, friends. Yeah, I, um, per that overgrown pincushion we encountered a few days ago, I actually want to take the precaution, set something aside for this. Uh, he's flipping through his um, book, sets it out, and uh, begins the cast, and he casts Detect Radiation. First level spell centered on me. It's going to be on me for an hour. Um, And it is a range of 120 feet out from where I am. Um, So if necessary, you can look up the parameters of the spell and how it would let me know and and what blocks what. But um, yeah, I think that's like Brix's Brix's, uh, precaution there. Now, if there's uh, any more of that material we saw in that manticore nest the one that can make you sick will know from a distance very useful well so far no um, pings on radiation detection alright well I'm not getting any reading on this so uh, maybe uh, maybe we head in yeah pulls out a scorching ray wand alright is anyone stepping in to the wreck before you Mm-hmm. When you say it like uh, that. Oh, yes, everyone's stepping Everyone's running in. And the door slams shut. Oh, yeah. We'll just, I'll just take up my spot behind our front oh, liners. Well, perfect, because Vargas is still outside. So <laughs> he'll just wander yeah. off whistling. Bye, guys. <laughs> Flashback to the elevator. <laughs> yeah. Well, as um, Asher and Brixby step into this sort of open atrium here, they. And this. The air drop or air temperature drops ten more degrees, like as you enter uh, the ship. So it's it's close to freezing now. Even though you're in Numeria at the beginning of the fall, it shouldn't really be cold yet. The metal doorways uh, to the south and behind you yawn open, um, and the floor is at a slant, leaning away from you and strewn with bits of rubble, twisted lengths of metal, and the ceiling here is badly damaged and crumpled. Uh, it's gray metal shell shattered with in numerous places, exposing uh, the fog above you, and coils of rusty metal, uh, mold-covered cables and wires all hanging down. Um, so this thing is not intact. But does it look like it's been scavenged? Uh, it's very hard to tell. I mean, it looks it looks like a wreck. It could be somebody tossed it, somebody ripped chunks off the walls, or it could be it fell here and sat for thousands of years. Real quick, when you said moldy cables, we've had experience with mold that can turn into vegepygmies inside you in crashed spaceships. <laughs> so, uh, does this mold look familiar? You want to roll a knowledge nature? I do want somebody to roll that. Indeed, he will. Uh, through his emissary, Brixby. Great use of a nat 20 for a 29 there. Uh, well, your nat 20 will tell you that this appears to be your more mundane mold. I wouldn't eat it, certainly. And you probably don't want to breathe too much of it in. But it's it's not going to climb into your chest and form a sentient being anytime soon. That's the most I want out of my mold. It's not a whole lot to ask, but... 
It's Fair. a low bar for Mold to be pleasing. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. Uh, assuming Asher sort of brought that up, Brixby looks at it for a moment and it's like, yeah, I, uh, well, I wouldn't eat the wires, um, but yeah, I, I think it's fine for us to go through. I don't think that's the danger we're going to face here. Excellent. So he'll kind of keep walking. And as you head to the south, there does appear to be some sort of flickering light source off to the uh, southeast. Just like a dim, like a flickering candle. Like a dim murder light, yeah. Like a little bit <laughs> of Look a at murder that. light. Like a candle in the wind. <laughs> it looks like it's coming from this room uh, straight ahead of you, but there are also doors to the north and south on this badly crumpled hallway uh the way that the map is lined up is it is it like a it's just a five foot hallway we can pretty much only single file through that it's just the squares are a little yeah. okay cool 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 yeah the um, squares don't really line up with the map but yeah it's a five foot hallway ah uh, yeah asher do you want to go first or would you like me to i know you can shoot over my head huh well i don't mind going first the worst thing that could happen would be that I fire at something in melee range and provoke attacks of opportunity and nearly die, and he'll continue forward. <laughs> kind of bypassing those hallways for now, drawn to the gleaming metal before him. And as you approach the room in the back, whatever the source of that light was, uh, seems to wink out and the room itself has is no obvious light in it um and you find yourself in a room where the eastern half is a tangle of gray metal strange um machine parts and rubble all of which are partially melted and scorched like they were subjected to a source of great heat a long time ago and you know they're scorched and warped and melted together um here and there, there are softly glowing bits of residue caked onto bits of, of metal here. Like, like little liquid pools kind of just hanging on the metal. Liquid, the sort that maybe one could approach and examine with a craft alchemy, or... One could, if one were so inclined. Yeah. Asher is so inclined. I mean... May as well kind of go back to an old skill before his inevitable and ghastly demise. Ooh, natty 19 for a 26. Yeah, with a 26, I think you recognize this shimmering, iridescent liquid hanging on these machines as the kind of stuff old Sam Viltret was carrying around in jars. You've got yourself some Numerian fluids. Looks like three doses if you... Whoa have anything available to collect them in or if you just want to slurp them right off that engine. Just put them right into the hat. I mean, Jeff the player is Team Slurp. I don't know if Asher the character is, though. <laughs> Empty out a goo tube and suck them up. Goo Marion fluids. Isn't uh, the one that Sanville drank, didn't it like knock his intelligence down by like eight or something like that? <laughs> It's like a D100 roll or something, isn't it? And it has horrible side effects. 
Yeah, well, I was gonna say it's like a screwy rod of wonders, yeah. basically. Like, I think it's like one of those, like, yeah, roll the dice and something real bad's gonna happen to you. Or maybe something real good, but probably. Are there good? I guess there must be good oh, yeah. ones, otherwise, <laughs> Sandville wouldn't have risked it. There's like there, immortality. There's literal immortality. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll take some empty GooTube containers and yeah. fill those up, not to imbibe now, but to consider yeah. imbibing later. Maybe we'll get some kind of item later that'll let us pick what result we want or something. That'd be cool. Or Julie Julie, you know. Obviously, I want her rehab to succeed, but maybe she knows somebody who's under the fluids. Let's be real. The Very Capable Four tasted their first lucrative dip into the drug trade by selling all of that soothe, and we're criminals now. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, this melted cool, cool machinery. Uh, let me just throw a knowledge engineering to see if there's any way of ascertaining what its function may have been. I, too, will throw a knowledge. And again, the mistake. Uh, <laughs> dice roll good. Roll again. Dice roll bad. Uh, 18 total. I have a 26. Um, I would say within 18, it's too hard to recognize... There's just too much damage, but Brixby's seen something approximately like this in Chitterhall, maybe down in the tunnel somewhere. This looks like a small engine for a, you know, a much more modest craft than, than most of the ships, but something that could carry a ship about the size of the one you see, probably, theoretically, except it's, you know, totally destroyed. Uh, I think this is the uh, engine room, the uh, the means with which it moves. Uh, clearly, it's useless and destroyed at this point. So there's not much salvaging, but um, yeah, this this confirms that this is another ship. In case we weren't weren't assured by this point. It does look like a giant space toilet for the folks at home um, a little bit too, like a very complicated space bidet. I was going to say space bidet. <laughs> like a Rube Goldberg machine of oh horrors. Oh my God, a Rube Goldberg space bidet. It's <laughs> the title. There it is. We did it. The question is, and it's an important one, is it powered by using the space bidet or does the power of the machine make the space bidet function? I think that's one of the real mysteries that the Androphans left behind. Yeah. Truly, this is one of those iron gods we've heard about. <laughs> I wonder if this is what Hellion's been seeking all this time. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> the space bidet right under his nose. <laughs> the fool's been digging underneath the arena. It's been right here. Um, is it a sort of what you see is what you get situation in here? Or would it be helpful at all to roll a perception or perhaps search the room? Yeah, you could roll a percepti do or a. I prefer a percepti do. I like that. That is my preferred nomenclature. Oh, that's almost 16. All right, that's a dirty 20 from Bricksbow. That looks like this is about it. 
Anybody uh, else see anything in here? 25? Yeah, same. No. Doesn't seem like there's anything more interesting than a Rube Goldberg space bidet. I realize that's a high bar. But... Which, yeah. Could... <laughs> Just. Come on. Does a 13 somehow notice something that a 25 does not? You totally oh, missed the space bidet. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, space ballet? That's great. Is there anything magical here that we're missing that you might detect? My my eyes see nothing of value beyond the sheer innovation required for this machine. Uh, Brixby forms a little cone with his hand and cones about the room. Do I get any shimmer shimmers? I don't believe so. Yeah, I mean, we could always take more time. Um, like, mechanically take some time with this room later to take a 20 or whatever. Maybe not. Uh, but yeah, let's just not do it right now. I think I don't see anything, so we should probably clear this place of any of the the dangers that the scary, scary ghosts stained were worse than them. Agreed. And I wonder, as a player... Uh, have the voices continued to follow us here, even under the craft? Uh, yeah, it's, it's still nice and ghost whisper. So I, I, I recently finished uh, Breath of the Wild for the first time. Not a humble brag; it's years late. Uh, but I wonder there, there's a there's a spoiler warning. Skip 15 seconds if you haven't played that masterpiece. <laughs> uh, there's a function where, as you detect, as you're nearing a shrine the beep gets louder and louder have we felt like any particular direction influencing the uh, the volume or intensity of the chanting like I would say as you um, got closer to this ship it got more intense but it's kind of had, hasn't changed like since you've been in here it's kind of muted by the walls probably it doesn't seem to be coming from inside the building okay what's that game called with the temperatures hot hot cold oh. warm cool Ooh. it's the same thing as the shrine where you're like no no don't yeah. go over there but i can't remember the name of it i think it's just temperatures hot and cold it sounds right <laughs> temperature game all right we can cut that part out that's no. nothing to the episode <laughs> Bricks will sidle into the one that's from the south of us. Well, the air and Marcus the... Marcus going in here with you. <laughs> the air in this compartment to the south is choking and stale, and the dust here is inches, inches thick on the ground. Nothing has disturbed this area in centuries. To the west, the wall is partially crushed and melted. It's over here leaving a five-foot-wide, two-foot-tall gap that opens into another chamber beyond. Four large coffin-shaped objects made of glass sit along the southern wall here. The northern That's pod... That's not more bidets. <laughs> they're not bidets. They are coffin-shaped glass objects. Um, each contains a skeleton clad in fragments of a strange, bulky armor. 
Two of the pods seem to be only slightly damaged. The air is thick with the smell of meat gone bad. Do all four of the coffin-shaped items have skeletons in them? Yes, but um, these two here don't look as badly damaged as, as the other two. You're just, again, setting up another horror movie trope of where we look and there are four skeletons, and we look away and then there are three skeletons. Fair. Uh, before drawing closer, uh, focusing on each pod at a time, a detect evil. <laughs> um, yeah, you detect evil coming from the slightly more intact pods. And it seems to be something in in there, not alive. Uh, but one of them looks vaguely male, um, and one of them looks uh, vaguely female. Um, they both have sort of tanned skin, um, reddish hair, and delicate features. Preserved enough to make a knowledge local? Yeah. Uh, adjusted 19. Um, they don't seem to be any sort of familiar, um, ethnicity that, that you know of. Any resemblance, uh, between either the poltergeists or the skeletons and the drawings we'd seen on the cave and the torch? Um, well, the drawings in the cave were very crude. Um, the suits are kind of the same make is what you saw in the skeletons but obviously more substantial and um you know they look like dead bodies in suits they look almost peaceful in a way uh is this like some sort of control panel um near brixby in the other side of the room away from them um it looks like it probably was at some point but it's just absolutely smashed to bits there's um, nothing left to manipulate there. The two of these coffin bidets that are more intact, I detect evil from within them. Does a, does a 22 tell us how evil? You know, accounting for the knowledge of local evil. Of <laughs> uh, 22 knowledge local? Yes. Um, and these definitely don't look like Numerian people. Um, it seems weird that they would look so intact when the ones um, next to them are just degraded into total skeletons. Um, but... Kira will relay that information. It's 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 kind of weird that they look still well, not like the rest of the ship, right? Like that's weird. This place is for sure creepy. I wonder, in Asherwood. Uh kind of cautiously approach one of the ones that looks to be more destroyed so as not to like handshake evil just to kind of get an idea of the function of this device was it meant as a final resting place or more of a preservation situation what is going on here can i roll double digit knowledge engineering on the dice yes i can uh 26 um, these appear to be, um, you know, some kind of sleeping pod, basically. I think the idea is that uh, the people in inside remain uh, protected and 
kind of suspended animation. That's sort of just a guess. That's not really something that you have on Galarian. Hmm. As I say, he'll back away from the device to, and tell Brixby uh, what his supposition is. Perhaps these were meant to be occupied during the travel as a way of surviving a journey. Yeah, I mean... It reminds me a bit of the thing we found corner in, oh, yeah, the tube, right. Um, but, yeah, seems similar. It seems a little distracted. He's kind of looking through that Brixby-sized hole <laughs> in the wall, um, being the only five-foot-wide but two-foot-tall character, the walking rectangle that is <laughs> Brixby Rentsale. Yeah, it definitely looks like Brixby can uh, squeeze through that opening uh, into another part of the ship. Um, it seems like generally anybody could get through it, but it'd be a squeeze for anybody but Brixby. Do I see anything just looking through with my dark vision? Uh, peeking through, you see like a, a desk with a chair, um, and then it looks like the room sort of heads off to the north a little bit and there's another doorway there leading to another room. Uh, he pulls himself back out of the hole, looks back. It doesn't appear to have any immediate danger from this side. Uh, do we want to all squeeze through here? Or, um, I'm a little disconcerted by you detecting the presence of evil here. Yeah, I'm kind of disconcerted by the whispering voices and the ghosts and that flickering light that went out when we got there. I'd say a lot of this is disconcerting. I think the obvious answer to Asher sensing evil would be that those things in that pod are either attached to more malevolent spirits or, or possibly some other form of undead, would it not make sense to just attempt to maybe smash them open before moving on and having them behind us, between us and the only way out? There was like no response when Asher walked up and examined the tubes. We didn't like see any movement or anything else. I'm just worried that like the second we're squeezing down that tunnel, suddenly they're going to pop out of there and they're going to have us when we're stuck in a thing. I got to do it one person at a time, squeeze. Because I feel I I get that. I'm I'm concerned that we smash them open and then they're just out in the wild um, (laughs) feasting on our dreams. Just like that guy from Encanto. (laughs) We don't talk about him. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) The other guy. Um, But... To be fair, this isn't a pretty, you know, it's not a wide uh, corridor to squeeze through. It's just a, just a space or so. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know about breaking them open, but if there was a way to, I don't know, tap on the glass and have them, you know, put the effort into getting out, that can at least get us ready, right? I feel like if we break them open, we're just kind of inviting their bounce 
but <laughs> Asher has an idea, uh, and he'll just sort of address the pod, uh, one of the two pods, and just kind of shout and drop him. You've arrived at your destination. <laughs> and see if there's any response. He also wonders uh, if those mannequins that were talking about an emergency landing uh, were referring to this ship, maybe somehow connected. Sky metal. Is there any response to his androphin shout? No, the dead bodies don't respond. Hey, ah, guys. he said they're dead. So, and also when Asher went up and, and just straight up looked at the, the tank, there was no no movement, no, no right, he, willies. He went right up to one of the broken ones with the total decayed skeletons in it, not the uh, more intact looking ones. Yes. Intentionally uh, not going to hug a skelly. <laughs> also, they're much more inclined to move when we're not looking, right? Kind of a Weeping angel situation here. Hmm. I think we should go through the little tunnel-y thing. <clears throat> I could say that in character. So maybe we try to go through that opening one at a time, and that way no one has to look away from these things, and that way they can't sneak up on us. Oh, I guess except for the last person. Mm, sorry, last person. I could go last, because I can move the fastest through it, but it is really just about uh, five or six feet to the other side. So maybe you all head through and uh, I'll keep an eye and go last. Five or six feet is like three Brixby's, but okay. It depends on which way you're talking because, you know, horizontally, it's just one of me. Canonically, I'm now five feet wide. <laughs> <laughs> can I, before we move, can I just do a quick um, perception on that top room there? Just a again recap. The north room. Yes. Yeah, the north guy over here. Go for it. Uh, 28. You're just like looking across the hallway into it? <laughs> I'll stand in the hallway and peer in. <laughs> and uh, now, hey, ghosts, if you're here, you have to tell me. That's law. Um, well, it looks like there's a, a whole bunch of just crap and, um, and this room looks like it was burnt to a crisp at some point. Um, here and there, the walls like ran down like they were melted wax, and they formed slag that cooled into puddles of steel along the floor. There's debris everywhere. It looks like I mean, there might be good stuff in there. It might be all melted junk. Um, but as you call out to the ghosts to let them know that they have to reveal themselves. They, oh, well, that was, they do ab abide by your orders. That was that was kind of a tongue-in-cheek, like, hey, you guys have to let us know you're here. Um, oh. Three um, piles of refuse on the floor rise up into the air with a sort of terrifying... We just I'm going to need everyone to uh, roll for initiative. I'm just going to back out of there and be like, nope, nothing here. Like to roll to close door. Okay. Well, this. You, the doors are all broken. You drew their ire. I feel like I've, I've never ever offered to just percept a room just for fun, and the one time, and I'm like, I'll just do a quick check. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> want to murder someone. It's probably fine. It's probably fine. 
Alright, so um, what did Kira get since she started this fight? Uh, let's say 13 on the die for an 18 total. Alright, and right standing right behind her, Brixby. Brixby rolled a 12 for a 19. Nice and fast, and very far away, how about Vargas? Vargas rolled an 8 for a 10. And um, the gunslinger way in the back there, hundreds and hundreds of feet away, at least 20 feet away. At least 20, and for the second time this evening, that is a natural 20 for a 24, this time on a Dice Envy Fat Tuesday D20. DiceEnvy.com. Let me just pop some initiatives on for these nice fellas, as there are three piles of um, junk floating in front of you. It looks like basically, well, I mean, definitely Asher will be first, and everybody but Vargas is probably going to be before all of these baddies. So that's nice. All right, Astro, you are up. You heard the horrible um, hissing sort of sound. Did you find a cat back there? What's going on? Asher will walk up and try and get through the hallway to see. Uh, that is right on Kira Square. So he'll be, he'll be able to look over Brixby's shoulder once he rounds a corner and sees this thing before him. Would a knowledge engineering help? Or is this going to be another one? Or is this a religion? What's up? It's a religion, but um, I mean, you can see that these are poltergeist similar looking or similar behavior to what you saw before. All the junk that was on the floor in this room is flying around. Okay. Um, ah, more poltergeists. Well, uh, the last ones didn't attack, so he is going to... Uh, being as his weapon is mundane, he will draw, uh, retrieve from his pack the plus one auto grapnel as his standard action, and that's going to be his whole turn. Was moving up to the hallway and drawing a weapon from a bag. Alright, Brixby, you're up. Uh, Brixby is going to, um, it's kind of seeing the poltergeist through the frame created by Kira's powerful muscular legs into the next room. Uh, Brixby is going to shoot off a uh, disrupt undead ray uh, right at the Javi in front of us here. Uh, ready a 10 on the die, that's a 17 for a touch attack, range right. touch. Why don't you roll me a 50% miss chance as it is um, invisible. Even though you can tell where it is, approximately. Uh, unfortunately, a 46, so that is low. Um, for this game, we are doing success on the high, uh, so it flies wide. And then with his move action, he is going to take a five-foot step to the southeast. All right, and that'll give us Kira's turn. Uh... My personal sensibilities, re having grown up in the 90s playing video games, says save all your battery charges for the very last boss fight. 
But my Pathfinder sensibility says I have a magic weapon now, and also it's a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that feels pretty tempting to just cleave through a couple of those guys. Cleave with a lowercase c, because not the there's like also a, a move thing. I can't do that one yet. Um, it takes an action to turn on, right? I would argue that you could use a chainsaw even without it being on, just as like a bludgeoning oh, Probably weapon. like as a club. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, okay, so she will pull that out and... Is it like a pull situation? Is there a button? It's an electric chainsaw. It's a button. Great. Okay. So she probably pushes figure the out like the safety latch and the, the handbrake and oh, if the no, chain it's... fell off, you're going to have to. It, it's a whole situation. Yeah. You forget uh, to oil it. Yeah. So we're going to do that. Um, that's a standard action, right? So I still have a move. If you drew it, that, that would be your move equivalent. Oh, at least. that's true. Yeah. Oh, fair. Okay. Um, can so I five, five foot step. step? Yeah, I just don't want to be in anyone's way. But I feel like that's going to be inevitable. So I'm just going to slide over here so people can shoot into that room. Poltergeist number red is going to... Let's see, it's going to just kind of float, do a little floaty-do for a better angle. And then I'm just going to... Let's see, it's going to... Since it can see Asher across the way there, it's going to just... Do a quick telekinesis. I'm like right here. Throw some junk. You're hard to see though from its angle. It's it can see straight across the hall. Six foot two. Um, yeah, that's just a twelve. So I'm assuming that doesn't hit Asher. No, none of his ACs are that low. But um, I just have to real quick roll a D100. All right, you're fine. Oh cool. Some of that. And, I did. Um, I'm fine. Yeah, you're fine. And number green is gonna float on out here into the hallway, and it's gonna do a little telekinesis on Kira. <laughs> um, that's a natural 19 for a 22. Oof. Uh, yep. Yeah, no, that'll that'll do it. All of all of the ACs. Where is the... Probably should have remembered that rage thing. I The number of sticky notes that I have for myself is just growing rapidly. <laughs> well, now we see I see you, Jordan, from Find the Path. have to roll a quick D100 here. And, okay, you're fine. Yay. So, it's just a little seven damage as a, it hurls a piece of space junk at you. Stabs you up pretty good. For seven... Yeah, pretty good for space junk. It's pretty good for Brixby. (laughs) And then Vargas is up. Uh, Vargas, uh, I guess, is gonna go punch a ghost. Uh, Let's see. So if I go, that's gonna be blocking Asher. Uh, I don't want to block Asher from... So you know what? He's actually not going to move at all yet. First, he's going to cast long arm on himself while he's uh, still far away and doesn't have to roll concentration. And then he is going to move in kind of a U shape. Use up all 30 feet of movement to get over here. Oh, wait, Kira's right there. I couldn't see her from inside the room. <laughs> uh, 
Actually, I guess he'll just go 20 feet. Oh, wait, no, that's not. Ugh. This wall is in a very inconvenient spot. Well, you can stand there and, and sort of punch out into the hallway. Okay. It, it uh, gets covered. So but... with my long arm, can I reach this one that I can kind of see here? Yeah. I can't hit him this turn, but okay. Uh, so that is where he will stop then. So cast a spell and then moved up there. And by up there for the uh, folks at home, I'm standing in the doorway into the coffin room, kind of wedged up against the doorway in the hallway. All right, and ghost number blue is going to throw some crap at Fargus. So first things first, I'm guessing a 13 does not hit. It does not. All right. Actually, it's uh, is it it's regular AC, correct? Yeah. Okay, yes, it does not. And you're fine on the D100, getting lucky on these D100s. So Asher's up. Alright. It's going to be a slow firing weapon. Uh, we're going to launch this plus one auto grapnel straight ahead at... I can't see the color from this angle, but the ghost that is 25 feet That's north red. of Asher. Uh, number red, as you called them. Uh, them, sorry. Uh, and uh, I'm going to roll this ice cream dice Neapolitan D20 at number red. Uh, that'll be a 14 on the dice for a 25 against Touch AC. Why don't you roll a mischance? Okay. How about an 11? Oh no. Okay. Well, that happened. <laughs> and that was a full round action to fire. Uh, so, so maybe maybe next time before we explore ghosts, I'll I'll take the time to get my weapon enchanted. <laughs> <laughs> End of turn. All right, Brixby. I like yeah yeah I'm gonna do it for all the fans at home I am going to go whip the whip um, in the words of the famous Bay Area bard Mac Dre uh, so he casts ghost whip um, a you know translucent whip with the ability to touch a ghost appears in his hand and uh, he's gonna Comfort Swarm with Asher. Five foot step Comfort Swarm. That's always fun. Alright, Kira's turn. Yeah, so Kira's been fiddling with her new chainsaw just as others have been making moves and doing things. Uh, but now has it ready, so standing there and according to the flavor text, this thing that is often used by lunatics and those who are wish who wish to intimidate <laughs> their something or other, which feels specific and maybe slightly problematic, is standing there holding this like, this is so cool. Um, additional flavor text, I don't think she notices, but like up to her elbow on her left arm, like all of these, uh, the tattoos that she has are like glowing, like if she was casting something, but she's not. She's just holding a plus one magic weapon that's a chainsaw. Um, I can't see where anyone is, so I'm just gonna step up and re-block people. Take this five foot step and I'm gonna go to number green and then, okay, that is also helpful in seeing other people. Uh, let's take out number green. 
First roll for my magic chainsaw. Really wanted that to be a 20. It's a 13 plus, uh, plus 11 though. So let's call that a 24 to hit. Does a 24 hit the ghost? Oh, do I have to roll a thing? Wait, do I have to roll a thing? I'm gonna stop yeah, talking. Yeah, you gotta roll that D100. Uh, it's an 84. All right. You got a hit. Roll some damage. I'm going to take all three of these D6 and roll those. Yes. What a delight. Love this game. Congratulations, <laughs> us. Oh, gosh. That's such a low number. Six, seven, 20. Oh, well, I'll take it. 20 points of damage. Uh, and that does get divided by two because you're hitting an incorporeal creature. But um, that's still a huge, huge chunk. It's looking fady. Yeah, uh, Kira just screams, ghost fight! Uh, it's not wise, but also the chainsaw <laughs> like already attracts attention, so it's fine. I believe you get another attack. <gasps> oh my gosh, that's right! Yes. Oh, how exciting! Because it was just the five-foot step, right? Yep. <gasps> mm -hmm. Yay! Happy Tuesday. Oh, that's lower. Uh, that's a... Um, mm, mm, I don't know about this one. Nine, four, ooh, 13. Was a 13 hit? Roll this chance. These things are not made of AC. That is true. Real facts. Nice. That's a 95. All right. It's again. I'm take another 3D6. I love it. Uh, and no, no gravity clip. That's just a giant chainsaw <laughs> of a GC, as, as they're called in the somewhere, I'm told, 8, 5, 13, 26 points of damage. Or 13 Ooh. points of damage, I guess. That's the ghost dies sound from Secret of Mana. Bye, ghost. Wait, how does a ghost die? <laughs> No, I mean, like, <laughs> philosophically, like, what? No, that was it. That's it the answer. How does this work? It disperses <laughs> for 2d4 days. Let's yeah. devote the rest of the pod to the philosophical ramifications of a ghost dying. I think Jero's right. Mm -hmm. It'll be back. It's the sound of one hand clapping. If we didn't already have such a perfect episode title, Aww, what's yeah. the sound of one ghost dying? Heartbreaking. That's my turn. All right, some junk gets thrown at Kira. Uh, that is gonna be an eight. Mm, sorry. All right, you're good. You're good. Vargas is up. Eight. Uh, well, the ghost Vargas is going to attack has just been killed with a chainsaw. Which, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a new sentence. Uh. Let's see, I'm not actually moving yet. I'm just trying to see around this hallway. Okay. Uh, so he is going to step out and let's see. Oh, there's two in here. Uh, well, I already committed. I wouldn't be able to see that other ghost until after I moved. So, uh, yeah, no, this is a stupid idea. Uh, and I'm... I'm still there. I'm just counting how many uh, steps this is. Uh, so he is going to take two attacks of opportunity from these ghosts if they feel like taking them in order to get uh, right here in the side of this room. 
Alright, they can't physically attack, they can only use telekinesis, so no nice. AOS. Oh, nice. Ooh. Okay. Run right by. Uh, then he is going to smack at ghost number red. And that is not great. Uh, I probably should have swift actioned to increase my arm and made it better, but I didn't. Uh, so that is a 14 against regular AC. Roll miss chance. Oh, okay. Ninety-nine. All right. Uh, roll damage. Nine points of damage. It's only going to be half of that, though. So four points of damage. All right. Still looks like you did some damage to Red. It's a little bit mad now. <laughs> and that'll be his turn. Blue is going to just do a five-foot float back to get out of melee with Kira so she doesn't get an AOO. When it telekinetically throws a rock at um, Vargas for punching its brother. Uh, that is a 14. Which square did it start in? Um, yeah, uh, the one you pointed Oh, no, it was this one back here, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. This one. Yeah. If I can ping that one. Okay, never mind. So what was uh, it to hit? Uh, it was a fourteen. Uh, no. Okay, so it missed you. That's the good news. Um, the bad news is what it just threw was a concussion grenade. So oh, um, oh, that's what those rolls are for to see what the object getting chucked at us is. Yeah, I'm gonna need reflex saves from Vargas. Kira and um, the poltergeist are fine because it's physical damage. These aren't considered magical. Uh, not these ones. Oh, that's that's very bad. Mm. Uh, so, what did Vargas get on that reflex save? A natural two for a six. That's going to be a fail. How about uh, Kira? 16. Uh, 16 is a pass. So Kira's going to take half. And this is 18 damage. So 9 damage for Kira and 18 for Vargas as a um, grenade was among the pieces of garbage that the poltergeist threw. And it's Asher's turn. Man, somewhere Bruno Mars is just missing out on this opportunity. Uh, Asher will, as a standard action, you're listening, right? Retract the autograbinal. And then as a move action, reattach it to its barrel. Uh, so that was a complete turn to reload the slow-firing weapon. What a piece of loot, eh? Uh, mm -hmm. that's the whole turn. I don't want to mess up the comfort swarm. <laughs> I'm just going to stay put. Alright, Bricks, be comfortable though you may be in Asher Square. It is your turn. Indeed, and I'm going to leave this comfort with a five-foot step to the north, putting me within 15 feet of, uh, I can't see the color on this one, but the one that I'm pinging right here. Vargas, are you also threatening this one with your long arm? Yes, Excellent. I am. Yeah, because I threatened 10 feet. Yeah, we some long boys threatening over here. 
So, um, <laughs> I am proficient. This is excellent. So, with flanking, making me wait for it. That's a 21. All right, that'll hit. Uh, why don't you roll this chance? Uh, come on. Yar, it's an 80. I don't nice. know why I was just excited about that in a piratical way, but it was. Um, it's cool. It's canon. So, Brixby, uh, atop the bulkhead. Um, <laughs> no. So he grabs his whip, whips forward, uh, makes contact. Now, here comes the, the big initial hit here. And d- don't you worry, this is lethal. Ah, surprise, it won't roll my... Nope. Yep, there we go. There's my 1d2. Um... So yeah, my 1d2 minus 1, I rolled a 2, so there's 1 there. But uh, I guess at this level, kind of burying the lead, because there's also... Jeez, I rolled terrible. Uh, three. I was going to say 3d6 of sneak attack, but I literally just rolled two ones and a 3. So, combi into 2, it is 6 points of lethal damage, as this is a ghost touch weapon. Yeah, it doesn't get halved, that's the good news. Mm-hmm. But the um, dead creature is still undead. Um, Mark Mother's Bow, you failed me. I was told that all I had to do <laughs> was whip it. Possibly even whip it good, but... That's my turn. Well, let's roll forward and move ahead to Kira's turn. Uh, Kira's going to take a five-foot step forward. And will she be able to tell with, uh, the, with the layman's eye whether which of these ghosts is like more more bad ghost looking are you a ghost doctor <laughs> more ghosted up um, like approaching ghosthood faster malevolent uh, i think you have <laughs> have seen the one directly in front of you getting um getting ghost punched up uh that's true it's also the one within range of um yeah, I mean, you could five foot step down. Yeah, so I was going to say, I don't, if that feels valid to you, when I was standing in the doorway, I can't technically see that ghost, so. Yeah, that's just because the map is kind of. Right, all right, so I'll five foot step toward the little guy on the east here, just jam up in Blue's face. Um, I'm going to go ahead again with Chainsaw. Come on, Chainsaw. Which uh, one are you chainsawing first? Um, the blue. Okay. Blue guy. That's going to be. Oh, you know what? Mm. Just gonna soft. We're gonna we're gonna rage that first. We step forward. We're gonna rage. I will not take my bonus on that one because I didn't say it until afterward. But that's going to be 16, 25, 20. No, 27, 27 to hit. Um, you have missed chance. Um, that is only a 30 something that time. So um, I'm sad and defeated. I'm gonna try again 23 to hit same as the first verse yep uh that is a god another 30 okay well so we do nothing terrible that's me all right what do we got here sadly there's not really anywhere for these things to go to not be Threatened. So I think red is uh, it'll float on towards Vargas, so it can only get AOL once at least. 
Uh, so Vargas, you can take a swing. Play sixteen on the die, so that's a hit. Yep. Wait, did it take a five foot step? From a five that? foot float. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Oh, if it was a five foot, then it doesn't provoke. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, but it's uh, now attacking with a. Um, oh, a so the provoke is from it attacking. Okay, it yeah, be, it's throwing something from melee range. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll say Brixby doesn't uh, get one. Six points of damage. Uh, did you do the mischance? Uh, actually, no, three points because it's got to be um, halved. Did and you? the mischance is. Okay, there's the hundreds. Where's the tens? I just set it down. <laughs> There it is. Uh, ooh, 36. Is it a 50% or a 25%? It's a 50. So. Okay, then that's a miss. All right. Well, now he's throwing stuff. And um, it's a natural 19. So. No, that's going to be a hit. Let's see. All right. You're okay there. It's just going to be four bludgeoning damage as it throws some random crap from the floor at you. And then it's your turn. Okay. Uh, since I'm standing right here, uh, he is first swift action, going to empower his arm. Uh, then he is going to cast defensively to cast Arcane Mark. Uh, that is a 19 on the die, so got that. So swing at him with that. Uh, that is an 8 on the die, but plus 8 is a 16. Oh, wait, no, plus 9, because I get plus 2 from that now. Uh, so that's a 17. Yep, roll oh, mischance. That chance. is a hit. Oh, mischance. Yeah. Keep rolling the damage first. It's a different D100 set. Uh, nope, 33. So now just for the regular bludgeoning, now that I've wasted that one. Uh, that's a 19. Mischance is 35. Okay, let me go find a third <laughs> D100, because I am out of moves. I cannot hit this ghost. Um, sadly, Blue is stuck in a corner here. So um, no matter what it does, Kira's going to get an AOO. Sure. Well. Oh, <gasps> that's an 18, which is one of those things. Oh, a critical threat. Uh, critical threat. Yes. Thank you. Thank you all for knowing the words that are correct and good. All right. Um, okay. So it's I just leave that this one and then I roll it again. And if it would be a hit and we're good. And these things have like, no, it's fine. Oh, and I have a plus 13. I'll be fine. This is great. This is already great. Oh, thank God. I was really concerned it was going to be a one. It's not. It's an eight, which is not good, but is still 21. Yeah, that's plenty to confirm, but I do still so need that damage. mischance. Oh, I forgot about the mischance. That's fine. I'm going to use a different D100 this time for luck. That is a 17, which is so sad. So I guess I'll just keep on rolling other dice. Well, um, yeah, it rolls an eight to hit you with the telekinesis, so that's no good. And um, wasn't a bomb this time, so not great, exciting. Great, great. So, moot. But it's Asher's turn. Asher will, as a super slow fire, uh, just, you know, well, 
Yeah, he can't. He can't actually move into the room and fire because it's a full round action, and he can't uh, initiate swarming. So he'll just fire over Brixby uh, at Red, who's going to have some cover, really beefing up that AC. Okay, so the hit is fine. It's a 27 against touch. I think even with, unless it gets uh, extreme ghost cover, uh, good. Let's roll that missed chance. Most doorways do like a plus 15 cover. Oh man. It still hits, weirdly. Weirdly, uh, that's a 95. Yeah. All right. So this plus one auto grapnel is going to do a D8 plus eight. So 11 points of damage halved, I'm sure. Uh, Might be enough to finish off red. Yeah, red's gone. It disappears as the magical spike. And uh, because I hit with a ranged weapon, uh, people within 10 feet of me will get the benefits of precise shot, even though you're using a, a whip. Just It's never been helpful <laughs> once, and I'm just, someday. someday. Oh, someday. It definitely will be helpful someday, for sure. For sure. So Brixby's going to throw the whip. <laughs> <laughs> How do I make my 1d2 ghost whip less effective? Let's see. Um... Speaking of which, Brixby, speaking of less effective, Brixby's going to step into the room, step uh, to full complement of his 20 feet of movement to the furthest corner of the room beside Vargas. Um, just for um, folks at home, Kira is in front of this poltergeist, but because Kira is a substantial person um, and not a ghost and not my target, she does not provide any soft cover. So I get to whip on through. You get maybe that weird tickle feeling of like, ooh, as the ghost whip passes through your body to whip the ghost. That's creepy. Uh, so, rolling for whipping. Ooh, that's a 15. A 15 will hit. Roll miss chance. Ooh. Let's see. No dice with a 15. Again, but on the the hundreds die. So uh, Brixby, and uh, that's my turn. All right, uh, Kira, you're up. You're standing in this thing's face. Can you finish the fight? Yeah, I would just. I would like to do just just a little more damage, please. Um, oh gosh, that is well, uh, four plus thirteen, seventeen to hit. Which Success. is not great, but is enough. Oh, thank goodness. 74. All right. It's so much less satisfying now that I've tasted a crit almost. <laughs> 3d6, but I will still take 3d6. It's fine. So let's scroll down again. Five. Nine. Hang on. 16. 25 points of ghost damage have to... Call it a soft 12. All right, that looks like it um, did a big number on blue, but it's still up. Well, still have a thing left because we're level six now. 
Um, 16 plus, what did I say it was? 6, 22 to hit. And I'm going to do the sad thing again. Here we go. So fun. 96. All right. You got a hit. Uh, and two, six, twelve, and sixteen. Twenty-eight, fourteen points of smoosh. All right, fourteen points of smoosh is enough to dissipate the final poltergeist. Everything goes clattering to the floor, but not in an explodey way. <laughs> <laughs> the fight is over. And uh, that seems like a good time to go to bed. Night, Sam. Good night, Sam. Good night, Sam. (laughs) Night, Sam. Against the Machine is property of its creators, all rights reserved. Pathfinder and the Iron Gods Adventure Path are properties of Paizo Publishing. Please visit them at paizo.com for more information. Theme Against the Machine, written and performed by our own Zach. Please consult the show notes for additional music and sound effect licensing information. And um, let's see, we're going to pop you up to another map as you come oh, I lost Scooby Roinks <laughs> <laughs> Racky moderate moderate I give myself a 4.5 oh uh, you sell yourself short but yeah 4.5 out of oh okay <laughs> no, that wasn't my scale. I was adjusting myself. Not this out of the standard 5.5 Scooby-Doo impersonation <laughs> scale. A solid 4.5. The Hanna-Barbera uh, uh, metric for short. Yeah, there we go. That's the word. Um, <laughs>